Edu Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. This podcast has been brought to you by Capture One Pro. With the most reliable tether workflow, combined with the most robust image processing, Capture One Pro 10 is the choice of working professionals. In this episode, we are joined with Jen Rosenbaum. Bam, did I say right? No, you totally no, flubbed that. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Rosen, say it, say it. Rosen, Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. Baum. Baum. Like baum, chicka wow wow. Okay. Maybe that'll help you baum, remember. Baum, chicka wow wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you do boudoir. That's perfect. Exactly. I'm not redoing the intro. We're, we're into no, it. We're now. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're into it now. I so, don't believe in coincidences. Yeah. No. So tell our audience who might not know who you are, who you are, and what do you do? Sure. Well, my name is Jen Rosenbaum, and I am a boudoir photographer in New York. How did you get in? Like, how did you get into that position? Like, well, take us through like the early baby Jen days to how you got to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, the early gen days are not that long ago. I've only been shooting for about eight years. And um, at the time, I got into photography because I was looking for a distraction from life. I was going through a little bit of a tough time. I was dealing with infertility issues. And I was just looking for a distraction. And so I picked up a camera and I taught myself how to take pictures. And it's just interesting how timing works. And you know, shortly after that, a friend of mine who was already shooting, she was mostly shooting babies and kids. And she she said, somebody asked me to do boudoir shoot. It's two sisters. And I'm nervous to go by myself. Would you come with me and help me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I know nothing about photography. Why wouldn't I go? Uh, so we went there and I just fell in love with everything that we did that day. Now, when I say we knew nothing, I mean, it was really bad. We knew nothing. <laughs> but I came home and I said to my husband, I want to be a boudoir photographer when I grow up. This is what I want to do. This is my passion. I never felt something like I felt today. And he said, whatever you want. And literally 48 hours I turned my bedroom into a studio and I asked my best friend if she would take her clothes off for me so I could take pictures of her and she did and I had a website up I mean that week it was crazy and it's funny because when you're in the beginning of your career like you don't know any different you don't know how much you suck so you're like I'm just gonna do all of this and it's gonna be great and it's that that sort of naive period that I always say is such a gift to new photographers because you don't know how much you have to lose, you know? So what was it about that first day that was so drawing and empowering to you? You know, I didn't know at the time, but I've done a lot of work exploring that because I think that knowing your why you do what you do mm -hmm. is so vital That's in critical. boudoir photography, critical. And, you know, listen, I always say I'm a photographer second, I'm a photographer therapist first. What I do is a very therapeutic aspect. And I realized because at the time I was struggling so much with my body and, and my infertility and wondering why I wasn't working the way a woman should work and struggling with hormonal issues and, you know, procedures and things of that nature and being around other women that had their own situations was healing for me. And it had nothing to do with the photography. It had to be around, you know, other women and the, the psychology and us helping each other. So there, there was a lot of instances, I guess, where you were connecting on a very private level with somebody that in many ways you didn't, hadn't known before and kind of sharing this, um, this experience where you were both healing? 
hundred percent, I would help heal her and she would help heal me. And, you know, at the time it was like taking pictures was a great way for me to shield myself from the world in a way. It was like, I was always the one at the party with the camera in her, in her face because there wasn't much joy in my life at the time. And I, I you know, I don't want to really say that cause I had a great life, but there was a lot of pain and it was sort of like a way for me to separate and come back out from everything. But when I was with a woman one-on-one, it was my way in, it was my way into, knowing what was going on with her and knowing I wasn't alone in, in certain things, whether it was body issues or infertility or loss or whatever it might be. And it would just, we just healed each other, even if we never spoke about any issues, you know, we just were on the same page. This is really fascinating to me because for so many people, photography is catharsis. Just the act of it is, it helps them heal in some way. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that with other photographers, but you really feel like, well, I guess my question is, are women coming to you wanting to do boudoir photography because they need some sort of healing? Or is it just they find that when it happens with you, it's like, oh my God, this was cathartic for me. I believe a little bit of both. And so I... Here's the thing about boudoir photography. There's a million different reasons to do it. I do it, and I, this is sort of my tagline, I believe every woman should celebrate her unique femininity shamelessly, okay? So for me, it's about the woman, it's about her femininity, it's about living in it and being true to who she is. There's a lot of boudoir photographers that are about sexuality, uh, much sexier than things that I do. Even though what I do is sexy, it's really more about the woman than it is about sex. Um, so for me, the client that I attract absolutely needs this in her life, whether she knows it or not. Um, so sometimes it's very intentional, like dear Jen, I am struggling with, you know, weight gain or I'm struggling with a divorce or I just turned 40 or whatever it might be that she needs to work through. Um, and so it's, it's cathartic in that way, or it can be the post session, you know, Hey Jen, I just want to say thank you. Cause I broke up with my dumb boyfriend who hasn't been treating me properly for three years because I finally had enough confidence in myself to do so. So there is a before and an after for sure. It's a little different for each client. It's interesting because I, when I think of boudoir photography and obviously not being a woman, I can't, I can't understand it. But my perception is that it's really, um, something that's self-empowering a little bit. It's to, it's to put themselves out there, uh, in a very important self-sustaining way, almost, um, a statement about who they are and their comfort level. Yes. Yes and no, because it is because there are some women that, you know, do it and go on and share and say, this is who I am world. And they're taking almost the bite out of the objectification mm-hmm. of who they are. Right, and controlling it. Exactly. And that's really powerful. But there's a lot of women who will put their pictures in an album and stick it in their jaw and never show it to anybody. But they're all, they're changed. But they still get the same result. They still get the same result. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. How are most people finding you and how are you winning winning jobs? Most of it is word of mouth. And it's interesting because it's not always immediate. It's not like she leaves a session and she's like, oh my God, you have to hear what I just did. It was amazing. That happens. But oftentimes it's more of like, I find the referrals come around two years later where a friend of theirs might be going through something that they went through. Um, You know, oh, I'm feeling kind of crappy after I had kids and, you know, I'm just not feeling so sexy or I don't feel like myself. And she'll say, oh my God, you know what I did two years ago? I have to tell you about it. You know, my clients, I think also because I charge a little bit more or a little more private about it. There, I find like the more you charge, the less open they are to tell everybody what they did. Um, but it's it's just word of mouth for the most part, and I I really like it like that. I, I like my clients, friends, and that circle of trust in a way. 
Do you, do you do any sort of advertising outside of that or you 100% word of mouth? Yeah, 100% word of mouth. I mean, I don't do any paid advertising. I'm all over social media. I'm, I'm definitely on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, you know, whatever else exists by the time this comes out, Snapchat, you know. Um, but so I, I am a lot of my own word of mouth. But I think it's important in boudoir. Like I said, I had struggled with infertility, so I speak about that a lot. I write articles about it. I write about it on my blog. I speak about it. And it attracts that woman that says, okay, I can trust her because she understands, you know, that I'm struggling too or whatnot. So I think just being who you are and being vulnerable attracts other women that want to trust you and be vulnerable themselves. How much time do you spend talking with your subject or planning out the session before you actually shoot it? It depends on the woman. Um, I sort of let her lead the way on that. I used to do a whole, like, we'll spend an hour on the phone and uh, we'll ask you all these questions and I'll make a Pinterest board for you and a mood board and whatnot. And it's a great thing to do. If you have time and you have patience to do that, it's great. I now have two kids, you know, on the subject of infertility. Now I have two kids. It's be crazy. Um, but <laughs> thank God. Thank God. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, my clients want to talk to me at 8 p.m. when it's bedtime, you know. So what I've done is over the years, I've actually developed a welcome packet that I send to my clients that's very thorough. So it helps them prepare for the session. And I find that the the time that we bond the most is actually when they're getting hair and makeup done. And it's part of why I don't allow it to be optional in my studio. So they'll come into oh, really? the studio, they get hair and makeup done. And it's sort of our time to sit and kibitz. And, you know, my hair and makeup team are, are really good at this. They start chatting and and asking questions and so I'm not sort of all over her but they know what questions to ask to get her to sort of open up. And I'm sure it's a point where the woman can actually really start to relax and get into the process. I call it the fluff time. It's the fluff time. You know it's like the time for her to be in the studio and breathe and and be comfortable and see that we're not going to kill her and you know we're (laughs) fun and we can hang out and then the nerves will come back when the hair and makeup is done and it's time to shoot the nerves will come back but I do sort of want that you know, I, it's, it's sort of, I call it foreplay, right? Like you're not going to bring a girl home and go, okay, take off your clothes. Like, you know, I don't want her to come in and just go, okay, let's get to business. I want her to come in and relax and enjoy and make conversation and get to know her a little bit more. And you learn a lot of information then in that hour and oh, a half sure. makeup period, sure. you know? How does the posing work for you? I mean, that, cause that's again, something so subjective because every woman's body is different and they, everybody has a, maybe something that they're wrestling with. So how do you work the posing and getting the woman to be um, at her most comfortable, vulnerable, and, yeah. and beautiful. So there's not a lot of things that I will sit in this chair and tell you that I'm good at, but I am very good at posing people. Okay. It is one of my um, innate talents, and I didn't even know that I had it <laughs> until I shot another photographer, and she was like, how do you do that? I'm like, do what? This is what looks good. What do you mean? And she's like, no, how do you know all of that? So I come from a fine art drawing background. So I've worked with the human body for a long time. I've been drawing since I'm about 13. Um, and I guess that really primed me for that. And I, I'm going to say something, and I, I say this in my classes and my teachings all the time. I'm going to say something that a lot of other photographers don't say, and so it might be a little shocking, but I don't believe in body types. And it drives me insane when people post. I have a Facebook group with a whole bunch of photographers in it, and they'll post in the group like, help me. I have a curvy girl coming in. What am I going to do? I'm like, you're going to do what you do for every girl. You pose her so it looks good on her. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. So I developed a system of posing. It's called the eight points of posing, where there's eight main points of the body that move, and I teach how to move them to get the look that you're going for. And it's really actually very simple. It slows photographers down, which most photographers have a big problem with just kind of firing away and shoot, 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 shoot. Uh, they, I teach them how to pose from head to toe in all the different eight points to look through the camera and take a picture and make sure it looks good. And if it 
to stop, look at the back of the camera. That's where most photographers fail. They think it looks good to their eyes, and they just keep taking pictures, but it doesn't matter what it looks like to your eyes. It only matters what it looks like to your camera. So to sort of get on the same page as your camera, make those decisions, and, you know, I don't really care what size a girl is, because, you know, you... You can line up a girl, you know, 10 girls here that are a size four and they all have different bodies. Right. You know, so I, I always say it's about proportion. Look for proportion, know what to move and how to move it to get the look that you're going for. And you have to pose each woman as an individual because not only do they have different bodies, but they have different ways that they move. Some people can arch more. Some people have neck problems. They can't turn their neck certain ways. So... In that first like 10, 15 minutes of a session, it's really important to see how she moves naturally and where her boundaries are as far as what she can do. So you, you actually had kind of a leg up on that. I guess you did figure drawing, right? Yeah. So you, you understood the human figure and muscle structure and the way the body moves. Um, how does someone who's getting into the business who doesn't have that background can't draw? I mean, they're obviously not going to go study drawing for five years before right. getting into boudoir. So what's the best method for them to start to figure out and understand the human body? Well, they could just take my classes. <laughs> <laughs> where do we, where do where we find your classes? <laughs> well, they can go to jenrosenbaum.com <laughs> with a Z. Uh, no, truthfully, I am actually going to be launching a whole bunch of new posing videos this year. I think videos are so important because it's, yeah. it's, really, it's really vital to see what I'm seeing and how I move her. It's very visual. So I will be launching a whole bunch of videos. But to answer your question for real is practice, 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 practice. And then, you know, I can, I can give photographers everything but experience. Right. Time in. That's it. You have to keep doing it. And the, here's the other tip. When photographers get home and they load up their images, this is what happens. They pick a hundred out of the 500 that they like, right? Well, what happens to the other 400 images? They never look at them again. Those 400 images have so much learning information in them. Yeah, why it failed. Right. Don't look at why your pictures are good. Look at why they sucked, you know, and see what's the difference between the one that's good and the one that's bad. And you're going to start seeing trends. That's basically how I developed my class. So, for example, one of my biggest posing tips is hips away from the camera. How did I learn that? Because every time I saw a picture that I liked and she looked curvy and she looked a little slimmer or she looked a little, you know, better in the in the butt, because that's what everybody wants these days. There's like a booty revolution going on. You know, everyone wants a big butt now. Thanks a lot, so, Nicki Minaj. Yes, yeah. exactly. That needs to be a t-shirt, booty revolution. It is. I, maybe I should make that. You should. Thank you. I got it. I got, I got the trademark on that, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to help you with your merchandise line right now. Booty revolution. <laughs> but, you know, when I started noticing, oh, wow, she looks really good. What did I do here to get that? You start making mental notes. This is what I did. And I'm going to try this again with another girl. And let's see if that happens. And all of my rules of thumb with posing are what I call 99% rules. There's always that one girl it doesn't work on. You know, oh, yeah. so you have to be flexible in that. And in that moment, go, wait, this isn't working. What else can I do? And it's muscle memory. It's just doing it again and again and again. So it's experience. So you found that... Um being a boudoir photographer was cathartic. Mm. Have you switched and been the subject of a boudoir? Function? Absolutely. In fact, I did one this week. I did one on oh, Monday. Right on. Yeah, I try to do it about once a year. And um, this is, I speak about this all the time. If you are a woman, especially, and you're shooting boudoir and you have not been in front of the camera, shame on you. Uh -huh. And... It's funny when I say that in my class, sometimes I'm even like, raise your hand if you haven't done a shoot. And people are like, oh, I don't <laughs> like, know about this. Um, 
And I say, why? They say, well, because I'm not worthy. I mean, not in so many words, but I, I'm not worthy of being seen or I, it's not, you know, I, I would never do such a thing. I'm like, that's what you're going to say to your clients. You're convincing them to step outside their comfort zone. The but only way they it. can trust yeah. you is if you do it too. So I try to do it about once a year. And I have to tell you, like I said, I did it on Monday and it was hard work. Like, was it? Yeah. My girl, I had brought a girlfriend with me just, you know, I don't know for support. What and about it was hard? It, uh, it's hard work. It's a hard, it's posing is difficult and, and, um, getting out of your head, uh, especially as a photographer, by the yeah, way, I was going to say, cause you're, you're used to directing people. You're used to, yeah. to, so could you just let it go and let somebody direct you? Or are you thinking about all your points of posing in your head? I am thinking about it because I, there are moments like I'm like, mm, this photographer has the wrong leg up. So I'm just going to quickly change my legs because <laughs> I know this is going to look better. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to trying to call him out on that. But uh, it's it's hard to let go um, mentally of that control, but also of the control of what your body looks like just uh, you know, you're, you're in lingerie or maybe even less at times, you know, and, and just trusting somebody in that way is, is still very vulnerable for me. So I understand why my client, you know, there was even that little moment of like, well, what's he going to do with the pictures? <laughs> like, I hope he, he knows I didn't sign a model release. Right. You know, and when my clients say to me, there's no model release, right. I'm like, calm down. You know, there's no model release, but it makes me more sensitive to what my clients might be thinking also. And I even said to him at one point in the shoot, he, there was a pause, like he was shooting, shooting, and then there was like a pause, and I thought to myself, what's wrong? Like, why aren't you shooting something right now? Like, what am I doing wrong? And I realized my clients are thinking that, you know, even though I know as a photographer, he's probably adjusting something or just paying attention to the light. As the subject, it's a whole different What do you think are the, difference, the differences between a male boudoir photographer who doesn't have the body? I mean, he, certainly he can appreciate the body, but he doesn't have the body to experience versus a woman photographer? I'm going to tell you, because yeah. I know this for a fact. First of all, male boudoir photographers have an advantage in that they can see women only the way a man can. I can't see a woman that way, and it drives me nuts. I've okay. been trying for a long time. That's fascinating, <laughs> because I was expecting you to say the opposite, that a woman has the advantage because she understands the body, but you're saying the, a man can see... Okay, well, it's all perspective. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know. why. Because um, So I tell this story often. Like I, I live um, in a town on Long Island, and we have this pool and it's really awesome and everybody goes to this big pool party to launch the season and if you look around all the women are wearing cover-ups now in my town women take care of themselves they're beautiful and it just drives me nuts they're all covered up and they you know these women could certainly walk around in bathing suits no problem and feel good about themselves they're not worried about men looking at them thinking oh she doesn't look so good because men don't work that way right men only see the good things first mm -hmm. you know they're worried about <laughs> they're worried about other women judging them and being vulnerable to that. So there are some women, I think, that feel more comfortable being shot by men, and there are some women that are just comfortable with other women in that way. Um, I've experienced both, and I, and I remember the first shoot that I did was with a woman, and I thought, oh my God, she gonna look at my cellulite? Is she gonna, you know, judge really? the way I move? Is she? And the second time I did it, and she didn't, by the way, she was a great photographer. But um, the second shoot I did was with a, a guy, and I get dressed, and I thought to myself, my God, I haven't been in lingerie in front of another guy in like 15 years. This is a little weird. And then I had that moment of like, whatever, you look all right. <laughs> if he thinks you don't look good, it's his problem, you know. Like he's not gonna see everything you're concerned about. But but I'll tell you the other thing that the really important point that I want to mention. This happened, I taught a class on Monday here, and, and um, one of the guys came over to me and said to me, as a male, how do I shoot boudoir? How do I get the clients in? Because 
they just, I'm assuming that they think I'm a pervert. Right. It's the creep factor. Right. So I said to him, okay, I have a question for you. Why do you shoot boudoir? And he couldn't answer the question. I said, you know what you sound like? That's a problem. A pervert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Because right. if you can, because now I'm assuming you just want to see me in my underwear. You know, if you, if I can go to a man and say, you know, well, why do you shoot boudoir? And he can say to me, well, it empowers women or whatever his reason is going to be. I don't want to or put words in people's mouths. I understand mouth. that female body and what, yeah. what the figure looks like. Whatever it is. Right. For everybody, it's different. Whatever your why is. Then you got me. Okay. Because maybe I connect with that and I go, okay, it doesn't really matter to me if he's a man or a woman. If he wants to do what I need right now, as far as empowerment or to capture my beauty before I have children or whatever it might be, then then, then it's okay. There's there's a motive there versus just being a pervert. Mm-hmm. How has your pricing changed over the years? It sounds like you've raised it a few times. And yeah. how, how did you know when to raise it? And how scary is that for you when you do that? <laughs> it's funny you asked me that question. So I undercharged for too long. And when I realized I was undercharging for too long, I jacked my prices. And when I say jacked, I mean probably like four or five times what they were. And it was like a really tough time in my life because I, I went from shooting 300 women a year Realizing, oh my well, God, the only reason I'm lot. shooting 300 women is because I'm way too inexpensive. Yeah, it was ridiculous. 300 women a year. Here's the thing. It was horrendous, and I don't recommend anyone doing it, but it is the only reason I'm sitting here with you today because I had so much experience. Yeah, so I much learned time so in. much. I mean, I got like five years of career into one year. Now, is that, are you doing one shoot a day? No, or is I was that... doing like 400 a day. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, it was... 400 a day, but 300 in a year. Yeah, how's was, that work? That's, it was that's, so that's bad. That's the new math, I think. Yeah, it yeah. was Common Core. Right. Uh, Alternative math. Yeah. <laughs> Alternative math, right there. Uh, it was it was really bad. Yeah. I, I didn't even know the girls' names. I mean, it was like so disconnected. But I hated it. At the end of the year, I said to my assistant, like, this isn't going to work for me because I'm all about the connection. Right. I think that's when the shift came for me that it wasn't about the photography anymore. It was about the connection with the women. I already got the photography. Not that you know anyone ever has it completely, but at that point I was like, okay, I'm comfortable in my photography. Now I need to connect with the women. And the only way we can do that is if we take one client a week. And my assistant almost had a coronary. She was like, one client a week? How are we gonna make that work? You know, like we just shot 300 women. And I said, we're going to jack up our prices, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I would rather go down in flames sitting here talking to you than going down in flames working my ass off. That's Burning just ridiculous. Out. Yeah. So I did. I jacked up my pricing. And I remember one night I was laying in bed with my husband, and I'm like, hmm, I haven't really gotten an email in a while. So I was like, babe, can you do me a favor and go on my website and fill in the email thing and see if it works? You know, maybe it's my website that's the problem. And he does it, and all of a sudden it goes, bing. I was like, shh. <laughs> you know, like it's working. You were hoping for a technical yes, glitch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it scared me. But I realized at that point, this was the point for me that like separates the girls from the women, right? Like I am like, okay, I am not going to fail at this. I am going to reinvent myself and I am going to make this work and I am going to go out and find new clients. And the key to that was I changed the way I charged the pricing. So the way that I was charging the pricing at that point, which I think was just packages, people didn't want to pay upfront for pictures they'd never taken before, you know, and they, and they look at this, they say, okay, I'm paying $1,500 to buy pictures that I don't even know if I'm going to like. So I switched to more of an a la carte, in-person sales session fee. I was actually making more money doing it that way, but because I changed the way I was charging the pricing, people were more open to it. So that's my number one piece of advice for pricing. You don't always have to change your pricing if you feel you're too expensive, especially. You may just need to to change how you charge the pricing. So you're finding people buy more because... um they're seeing the images and they're not locked into a package? I do think so. And I also think as a photographer, it keeps you accountable because 
you know you're going to have to sell after this and you can't just like check out you know you right. have to make sure okay you know she's going to love these images and i've done it both ways and right now i'm actually back to packages although i'm kind of in the middle of switching yeah, it so that's interesting if you remove the package idea and people aren't necessarily going to buy the images. You have to work harder to make those yeah, images look better. Yeah, it holds you better. accountable. Yeah, versus sure. okay, you're gonna, I'm gonna shoot you, and you're gonna get ten images. Yeah, no matter what. Right. Some people need it, and some people don't. You right. know, but there, there's, even if I sell a package with ten images, I'm still, I still want to sell twenty. <laughs> I still want to sell thirty. Of course. Um, but I do find, I have found even in my own career, there's times where I'm like, all right, well, she already bought the package, so we're good. We got what we needed. You know, when you're charging a session fee and all the cart sales later, it does push you a little bit more. For sure. Mm -hmm. Are you giving away digitals or just I do. selling prints? I do. And I'm a huge believer in print and I push my albums big time. But for me, they're not making 10 prints for grandma, and so I'm not losing out on that money. And <laughs> not a here, book of wallets for, for yeah, Nana. Exactly. Here's Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, number one. And number two, this is a digital age. And, you know, as weird as this may sound, like sexting and things like that are a big deal these days. So, like, I have a lot of clients who are like, my husband is working overseas for six months. I want to send him a digital image, you know, or, That's cool. you know, that kind of thing. So what I try to do is really push the album sales and then they will get the digitals included with the album so that they have both. But I want them to have something printed, of course. I'm, I'm a big believer in print. Do you do your own printing or do you outsource all that? No, I outsource yeah. it. That's yeah. Because that's a big, big area it's yeah. hard to do no was there a learning curve when you're getting into prints just because there's so many options um no i keep it really simple my clients can buy one of two things basically they can buy an eight by eight album and they can buy the basic album which is um, by white house custom color i use one of oh, their albums amazing yeah, great love them have been with them since the beginning or they can order a deluxe album with a fancy cover from fineo which is like the fineo one and those are the two options i give them because if you give girls if you show the options well, like, listen, if you're going to go see naked pictures of yourself and then you have to pick an album after, that's a lot to ask. So, I mean, here, here's the beautiful pictures of you. And then you have this album or that album. Which one do you want? And I just find it's that's it. That's it. Will I offer wall art? Yes. If they want something blown up, of course, I'll do it. I don't push it. Uh, I want them to have an album. That's my bread and butter. That's what they're happy with. They can stick it in the drawer. They can enjoy it for the rest of their lives. And I keep it. I am a really minimalist photographer in every single way, as far as what I offer, how I shoot, my sets, my lighting, my equipment. I'm very minimalist. Do you shoot anything other than boudoir? No. Or you, strictly. Do you think that photographers should special if they want to do boudoir, they should only do that, or they should do a few different things? I would never tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do, but uh, yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do. I think everybody has to really listen to what they love and, and listen to their to their body and their emotions and their, their feelings when they're shooting something. I've gotten so specific. Like, I don't just shoot boudoir. I only shoot women. I don't shoot paternity. I don't shoot couples. And when I've tried it, and what I found was, like, when it's a couple... They don't pay attention to me. It's like, I, it's about them, not about me, <laughs> you know? Not that the boudoir shoots are about me, but the boudoir shoots are about the connection between me and the client. And when her husband or her significant other is there, I'm not existent. And it's the same thing as far as like maternity. Even if I'm shooting maternity, it's about the baby. It's about the mom and the baby. And I don't connect with her that way because she's trying to connect with the baby. So I don't feel fulfilled in that. I need that connection to feel good about what I did. Uh, and it may sound selfish, but when I feel good about what I'm doing, I give more of myself to my subject. So it sounds like you know yourself. Yeah. 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 So I've gotten really narrow. I mean, I don't. I, 
I don't even really like shooting brides. Like when brides contact me, I'm like, ugh, because it's about it's about the wedding. It's not, you know, like. Do you say that on the phone? Yes. Oh, here we go again. Another one getting married. Uh, when when a you know a bride contacts me, I would love her to say, I'm using this as an excuse to do something amazing. Um, but I my ideal client wants to do it for her. Has nothing to do with anybody else. She might give it as a gift, um, but it's it's for her. She has to be invested in it. What do you think most photographers and getting into boudoir struggle with the most? Is there a, is there a common thing you see yes. kind of across the board? 100% confidence. 100%. Confidence in posing, confidence in communicating with them, confidence in telling them what to wear, confidence in the subject matter. I mean, there are so many photographers that shoot boudoir that aren't really even that comfortable with it. You know, they get really nervous about it. Um, it's, it's about confidence. I, I teach classes about confidence because... She's coming in and she's nervous. Somebody has to be confident there. <laughs> you know, like someone's got to yeah. make beauty happen here. Right. Um, but again, that comes with practice. And, and, and in the beginning for me, it came again with being naive to the fact that I could really screw her up if I don't do this properly, you know? And I think when you realize yeah. the, the gravity of what you're actually doing, it is, it is a little nerve wracking. So just building that confidence. That's an interesting point. Like yeah. you can, when you said screw someone up, like they could leave pretty emotionally distraught yeah i I mean i've cleaned up a lot of messes (laughs) you have maybe like one of the bigger responsibilities of photographers Mm -hmm. to control a situation control the vibe Mm -hmm. it's interesting yeah Yeah, there's a certain amount of fragility there a hundred percent i always say that um (laughs) sorry i totally just lost my train of thought um, well, let me ask you something. How, yeah. What do your sets look like? I mean, you've got the hair and makeup artists there, and I'm sure that you've spent a long time working with the same crew to kind of develop that. Are they on the set as well, or is it do they disappear? They is it just you and the, and the, the subject? Yeah, it's just me and the subject. Anybody else there confuses the situation. Yeah. Just me and her. Um, and I don't have sets. My studio is 10 by 20, and it's four white walls and a bed. And that's it. That's all I have in the studio. Very um, simple. Very simple. I am not an environmental photographer. In fact, I don't even really need the bed in there. I do the bed because the clients like the bed shots. But for me, a girl against a white wall is my happy place any day of the week. Um, and, you know, I, it's so simple. It's just simple. And it's all about her. And that's where posing becomes even more important because if she doesn't have a perfect pose, there's nothing there. So you have to really pose her. You have to really make sure that you know you're on target with that. Do you think that makes it easier or harder on the subject when when they know that it's really stripped down? Forgive the term there, but there's not a lot of stuff for them to interact with. There's not a lot of propping. There's not uh, the whole environment. It's really simple. So does that put more pressure on them and in turn make it harder for you to get them to relax, or do you find that it's easier for them because it's stripped down? Um, they don't know the difference. I don't think okay. for me. This is where I use a lot of movement and posing, so it keeps them busy. They don't really have that much time to think about other things. So, for example, I don't use a static pose, but I might say, like, oh, you know, just kind of pretend like you're pulling your undies down a little bit, or put your hands through your hair, or something of that nature. And you shoot through the movement. Exactly. So, uh, movement is important for multiple reasons. One, it keeps the client busy. Two... I believe in energy in photographs, and the worst thing in the world is when a photograph doesn't have any energy. The only way that you can get energy, even in a still image, is through movement and momentum, and it could be as simple as like taking a breath, and just like that little tension it causes, you know? um, Because it changes the muscle structure. It changes it. Even like eyes, for example. I never say to a client, close your eyes, unless I'm specifically looking for that look. I'll always say, look down, because it changes the lash line, and when their eyes are closed, it's a straighter lash line. When they're looking down, it's still a curved lash 
line. And it sounds stupid, but if you if like try this one day, you'll see the difference. When their eyes are closed, they look lifeless. When they're looking down, they look like they have life because of the way their the lash line is. Lash. It's such a subtle little thing. Like This is what I try to promote in the classes. These are little teeny tiny changes that make a huge difference and a huge impact in an image. And this, again, is where all those bad images from a shoot come in handy for you to go back and look at that because you're you're telling somebody to not necessarily, necessarily pose but to move. And it's your job to shoot that decisive moment yes. in that movement that's, that's right for you. That's right. right? That's so right. going back and looking at all those images that didn't work, you can really analyze that movement and what works and what doesn't. hundred percent. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about lighting. I'm interested. How long did it take for you to kind of really like, all right, this is it. I dialed in my lighting. Um, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> it's funny. Lighting is not my expertise as much as I say like, Oh, I know posing. I'm not, I'm not as confident in lighting as far as teaching it. I should say I do teach some lighting. I know what looks good just from studying art all these years, and I, I can recognize it, but I haven't dialed it in in one particular look. I don't think I'm like other photographers that have that one look. I have the look that I want to portray her in in that moment. So I don't have like a go-to set, like, okay, now we're going to do this, and this is what I always do, and dial it in. And, you know, it's more about what, what am I looking for? Am I creating soft, sexy? Am I looking for dark, moody? And Do I want light and airy? Um, and showing the different facets of her personality. So I don't really have like a one go-to Do you have a, a one lighting modifier that you like to use a lot? Um, I, I happen to really love anything Westcott. <laughs> I really, I, I work very closely with Westcott and I really love anything simple like the Skylux with a rapid box on it. Like something just simple, easy. It can't take up that much room. I don't have that kind yeah, of room Yeah, the small the space like that. You're like, yeah. Your lighting modifiers are really important. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, just whatever works in the moment. I really love like hard shadows. I kind of feel like I have a very beautiful natural light studio. So a lot of my work is light and airy. So if I'm going to start taking out other other lights and do other things it's going to be for a completely different edgier look than what I normally have in my studio interesting I was assuming when you described your studio that it, it, there wasn't any natural light it's a big window one big, big window. window yeah east facing north facing oh god I think it's north facing, north facing. it's good light yeah. <laughs> it's good light it might be arguably the best light the north light yeah north, well, the it north is light. the best light there's no doubt about it yeah no it's it's wherever it's facing it's good <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I got the studio I went back there like every three hours for like two days and the guy's like are you taking the studio or not I'm like no I need to see what time the light's yeah, good yeah. in here you know I can't just take the studio so so on on the topic of gear again what are you what are your lenses that you're you know in love with what cameras do you use what's, sure. what's your gear locker look like sure so I have also I was gonna say a fairly minimalist gear locker but it's really not that minimal but it's very simple very contained I shoot with two cameras I have the Nikon D750 and the D3S um, and I shoot all Sigma lenses so anything R I own it pretty much. I'm obsessed with their art lenses. Um, for me, it's important to have primes like the 35, 50, 85. Those are on my camera a lot. Uh, I use the 24-105 art quite often also. I really love that lens and a 70-200 I have as well. I would say, you know, people are always like, oh, what's your favorite lens? I'm like, I don't really have a favorite. Like, it's whatever gets the job done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in my studio, I primarily use the 50 art the most because of my size constrictions there. Um, and I, it also allows me for intimacy with my client. I'm close enough to her to just reach over and move a piece of hair or just, you know, she feels like I'm in it with her versus like standing all the way back with the 70-200. to 200. Like, okay, can you move your leg for me a little bit? You know, like yeah, yeah. using 
Sigma 50 allows me to stay pretty close to her. Didn't the newest art lens like break every record, test record possible? Yeah, the 85. The, the 85 yeah, they just dropped? it's amazing. They just broke every record yeah, possible. Yeah. And I know that's like the new hype on online. So yeah. how long have you been shooting with it? Just since it came out? The 85, yeah, since it came out. I think I was the one of the first ones to get the Nikon version. Um, I think I got it in maybe November. Are there any millimeters that you would not recommend for boudoir? So... <sighs> Any th- even the 35, so people are always like, do I need a 35 or 50? I'm like, just be careful with the 35. The 35 yeah. is great if you're an environmental photographer. You want to get a lot of the room in. But if you're shooting a portrait of her with the 35, please don't. You know, it's it's a whole different thing. So just to be careful about that. That's an, uh, a mistake I see a lot with newer photographers or they're using like a 2470 and they're on 24 and they're taking a picture of her on the bed with her head closest to the lens. And I'm like, look at your proportions here. Her head is half the size head. of her body. It doesn't like right. measure yourself. It doesn't work like that, you know. <laughs> so just in situations like that, if you're in a tight space, to make sure she's more parallel to the lens and just be aware of that proportion. Are there lenses that you know you're going to use based on seeing the woman's body type, or or does it more depend on the feel you're going for? Yeah, it more depends on the feel that I'm going for. The, the posing is on is based on the body. The posing is what okay. I need to worry about, and then to deal with the lens as far as what I'm looking for in in the room and the feel that I'm going for. Are you shooting tethered or are you flying around the room? I have, sh- I do shoot tethered sometimes, but not with clients. No. Yeah. Not with you, clients. You don't want them to see it. I don't want them to see it. Yeah. I do let them see the back of my camera. I often will show them the back of the camera because I know they look smoking hot, but I don't want them to see every picture because it's just, it creates like a, you know, they're always kind of looking over and then, you know, it's kind of like the mirrors. Like I, I, I take the mirrors out of the studio too, because I could always tell if I was shooting her, if there was a mirror behind me, cause she's doing all sorts of things I'm not telling her to do. I'm like, are you looking in a mirror or something? Like what's <laughs> happening here? Um, so yeah, I don't really want them to see that on a consistent basis. But I will show them, and I will even show them pictures I don't love. Like, I will say to them, listen, your face, like, I, I'm trying to instruct you, and, like, let's kind of work on this, but I, it's looking a little hard. Let me show you, because it's a visual cue. The people need to see visual cue. Well, what does hard mean? Or I don't understand. And then she'll say, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to relax my lips. That will help. Right. You know? And so I don't only show her the good ones. Or even if I change something and she nails it, I'll be like, look at the difference between this and that. Like, I know your back hurts when you arch that much, but look at the difference it's making. <laughs> and she gets into it, right. you know? I teach, I, I shoot in the same way I teach. Like the, when I teach photographers, I tell my clients the same things. Like, here's why I want you to arch because, uh, you know, because it's creating a, a nicer curve and this and that, you know, I, I teach them almost the posing while I'm doing it. If they understand it, they're more into it. And, and silence is not acceptable on a boudoir shoot. You can't ever stop talking. That's the second you stop talking. Do you have music going? Or is Always. It, oh, what kind of music? Anything. A, play, anything. <laughs> anything. Anything. Anything that they no want to listen to? Is it more about what they want to listen to? I usually ask them what they want to listen to, yeah. So thank God, you know, for like all these radio stations now that you can just get any I music know, right? you want at the, your fingertips. So, Pretty easy. Yeah. I'm terrible at making playlists. I can I can pick a Pandora station like a boss, but exactly. <laughs> ask me to put together a playlist. I'm like, right, oh, thank you, that Pandora. sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> So how long are your average shoots? How much time does it sure. take? They're to get- typically anywhere between an hour and two hours. An hour gives me enough time to warm her up and get her where I want her to be. And then two hours is where she starts getting really tired. And yeah, I want her to, time. it's a long time, especially because I'm really posing them hardcore, like they're hurting. So I 
like them to leave like five minutes before they hit that breaking point <laughs> so they can leave and say, wow, that was, that was a great, great experience versus like, oh my God, I'm so tired. What's your turnaround time for them? When do they get to see like the final images? So you, I usually tell them about a week to see the images and then about two weeks after that to have their product and whatnot. How much post-production do you do? I do very little post-production. Don't tell them that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I think that's great. If you don't, yeah. if you, if it's set up in a fashion where you don't have to, where you're doing the yeah. work ahead of time and you don't have to do a lot of post, that's even better. I'm a huge advocate for proper wardrobe and good posing. You yeah. will not have to do a lot of post work after. And honestly, I, I, I mean, I hate editing so much. You can't right. even imagine. And it's mostly because I'm trying to run a business. I'm traveling a ton. I have two children at home who I'm home for every day at three o'clock right. and I just don't have time. It's just for me. I'm like, there's so much other stuff I'd rather be doing. I do outsource some of it. Um, I have somebody that I trust, like an individual that I trust that I will send some images to edit for me, but it's just a little tiny bit of skin softening, just making sure, you know, any blemishes or anything are removed. And that's really it. I'm it's not also heavy. Means you're, you're being very true to the woman. You're not body warping. You're not, you know, tucking in this part and curving out that part. You're I being barely very use true. liquify. The only time yeah. I'll ever use like a liquify is maybe like if her bra or her underwear is like pinching her a little bit, there's yeah. nothing I could do about that imposing. I'll fix right. that a little tiny bit, but I want a woman to look at an image and go, wow, I am, I am stunning. Yeah. Not if I look like that, I would be stunning. You know, when a, when a, yeah, that, I would assume that'd be far more demoralizing it, if they get an image back that's obviously been so modified and it's no longer who they are. Yeah. That's you know, be really demoralizing. before I said I lost my train of thought and what I was going to say was that, um, you know, we can see a thousand great images of ourselves, right? But you see one bad one and that's the one that you believe. Right? Like, oh, have wow, you ever that's... been like tagged on Facebook or in a picture and you go, oh my God, do I really look like that? And from <laughs> yeah. now on, that's what's in your head, even though maybe right. there's a thousand great pictures old? of you. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, I always say to photographers, like, if you show them one bad image, that's what they're going to believe. You have to be really careful about that. That's a that's a great piece of advice right there. That might be one of the most <laughs> important pieces of advice people can walk away with. Yeah. On the topic of advice, what what advice do you have for photographers, you know, trying to get into this now? Like, um, why? Well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of it. Stay out of it. Run it's my the other way. <laughs> um, what's the number one piece of advice I would have for them? I think really just making sure you have a well-rounded education about what boudoir really is, and and again, really delving into that why, and it it's. You're not going to wake up one day and go, oh, I know why I shoot boudoir until you start shooting it. Um, you have to be aware of it and, you know, maybe writing things down and understanding how you feel and connecting with the clients. That's so important, especially for male photographers out there. The connection, understanding how to give good compliments and making things appropriate, but still making her feel good. That connection is so, so, so vital. In listening to you talk, I, I, I am coming to the conclusion that boudoir photography is um, probably the one area of photography where you have to be the most self-aware. Mm -hmm. You really have to understand the why, why it speaks to you, why you're doing it, and how it affects your subject. Because mm -hmm. yeah. this is far more intimate than anything else. You know? Agreed. And I, and I appreciate you saying that because I think boudoir is also the most misunderstood yeah. genre in general. You know, like I said, for some people, it is about sex. It is about sexuality. Right. For me, it's not. It's sexy, but it's really, it's really about that intimacy. It's really about the the mental work that goes on and the beautiful effects that happen to women after. So, do people ever misconstrue you and go, "Oh, you're doing porn"? A hundred percent. Is it making hundred percent? Um. Or do you just feel like, well, they just really don't get it? They don't. Not everybody's going to get it. Not yeah. everybody's going to get it. And I don't. 
I'm very careful about where I put my energy and I am looking to change the world, but I can't change everybody's mind. So I am just going to look for people that are open-minded to hearing about it. And that's where I'll put my energy. I think that's great. And as we wrap this up and you want to change the world, how do you want to change the world? What do you want to do? What's next for you? Well, I have a few things, actually. It's funny you should ask. Uh, Of course, first of all, we're going to be launching JenRosenbaum.com in the next month or so, and that will be an educational site as well as a forum where people can have a lot more access to me. It will be a monthly membership, and it's going to be amazing and answering all. I made a list of 100 things that we're going to address uh, that people ask me about over and over and over and over again. So it's going to be super helpful. Um, In addition, I'm also launching this new journal project in April. It is actually for all photographers, not just boudoir photographers, but it is a journal project in which I've created this gigantic journal of life and business. And so it's not a planner. It's not, you know, there's no calendar in it necessarily. But what it is, is a community to help each other build goals, make an action plan, figure out how people are going to get to what they want to get to. Because the number one problem with photographers, I think, is really that action plan and the time to sit and think. And part of the problem is we don't have coworkers, most of us, right? Right. We're very isolated. Very isolated. So around this journal, I will be creating a community in which we keep each other accountable. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be videos. There's going to be a whole bunch of things to get people to start moving. Um, and, And it's also going to be sort of a business Bible. So there'll be areas for business things like pricing and marketing and social media plans. And so when you're done filling out the journal, you can look back and say, oh, this is what I did last year. This worked, this didn't, let's make some adjustments. But it's also um, mental changes, building the confidence and habit trackers. And um, like I said, the first 100 people to buy the journal actually will be doing a 30-day challenge with me personally. Um, so pushing people to change their minds and change their habits and read more books and you know take lessons from their photography. So it's going to encompass all of that. Well, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, And in addition, I'm actually working this spring on launching a course called Shamelessly Feminine for women who want tools to kick ass in life. Nice. And so that's essentially doing the work that I do with women with my camera, but without my camera. So I've sort of taken the lessons of the boudoir photography that I've done with people and taking it to women in and outside of photography to help them make those mental changes in their life and really just start kicking ass. When the hell do you sleep? What the? What's sleep? (laughs) (laughs) We've got a lot going on. I do have a lot going on. But you know, I have a lot of dreams and a lot of goals, and I've been sitting on them for a few years going, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to it after homework. And I just, this year, I don't know what happened. A fire just lit inside me, and I was like, this is it. I'm done thinking about it. I want to start doing it. And all of these products and these videos and all of these things come out of self-need. Like, I need that journal, you know? Like, I need it to keep my life organized. And I need Shamelessly Feminine, which is why I do what I do. And so other people must need it, too. And, you know, my goal in life is to help women feel and celebrate their femininity shamelessly and and that's everything I do is built on that that's awesome as a father of daughters I love hearing this thank you that's really important which leads me to another question what's the average age or what's the age range of people that you work with Uh, there is no there is no age range necessarily. Yeah. It's for anybody. I don't shoot anyone under 21. That's my right. own personal yeah, yeah. rule. Um, I've shot up to 60. I would say primarily most of my clients right now are like me. They're in their early 40s or turning 40. And I just gave away all my age and all that. No, but right. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, going through that life shift of like, is 40 the end or just the beginning? Let's figure that out. I, th- I think that's a really important time for a woman. I think it's also probably one of the most empowering periods of a woman's life. Yeah. So, and that's why I wanted to ask that question because yeah. I particularly think that the the early 40s, really the whole 40s, that's an incredibly powerful 
decade for a woman. Yeah. And I, I wanted to know if that's when most of your clients are coming to you. Yeah, now it is because that's what I'm talking about now. Yeah. That's, you know, I feel like at any moment when you're talking about whatever's affecting you in your life, yeah. those are the people that you attract. So I, I always say to the women that are turning 40, I say, listen, turning 40 is really hard. Like I really, <laughs> I, I thought, oh, I don't know, it'd be, be no big deal, it'll be fine. I really struggled with turning 40. But the minute you turn 40, it's like the weight is lifted and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be good. That's a good decade. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, you really have a light about you. You love this. Thank you, I do. And it's really nice to see. So thank you for sharing this. Thank I you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming by. We really appreciate it. Thank you. To download this episode and to download the entire season, you can go to rggedupodcast.com and also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Jen, thanks again. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by Capture One Pro. With the most reliable tethered workflow, combined with the most robust image processing, Capture One Pro 10 is the choice of working professionals. Well, that's a little screwed for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude. How do you raise your game and make your mark? You learn from the pros. You learn from your failures and your timeless advice of those wizards at EDU. You form a team that matches your Jedi vision. You take new approach. You try things. You learn. And you give a little back. You stop taking pictures and you start making images. And with that, you set the world on fire.